0: Welcome back, everyone. This is The Change Log, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This is episode 143, and on today's show, Jared and I talk to Darcy Clark. He is the creator and maintainer of Front End Developer Interview Questions, the second most popular repository in the H5BP organization there on GitHub. That's the HTML5 Bullet Plate organization, and it's second to only the HTML5 Bullet Plate itself. With fourteen thousand one hundred forty-five stars, uh, great show lineup for you today. Talking to Darcy Clark. We got some awesome sponsors for the show: CodeShip, TopTile, and CodeSchool. We'll tell you a bit more about TopTile and CodeSchool later in the show. But our friends at CodeShip—they're all about continuous delivery made simple. That's what they do every day. They help you set up continuous integration for your app in just a few steps. And they make sure that you deploy tested code when all your tests pass. CodeShip is based on usability, so everything is designed to be as easy to use as possible. And in fact, CodeShip recently listened to feedback from their user base and redesigned the entire application to include new usability improvements and made it even easier to use. They've got great support for lots of languages and test frameworks. They integrate with GitHub and Bitbucket. You can deploy to cloud services like Heroku and AWS. And you can get started today by trying out their free plan, which includes 100 builds a month and five private projects. When it's time to upgrade, you can use our offer code, the Changelog Podcast, to get 20% off any plan you choose for three months. Again, that code is the Changelog Podcast to get 20% off any plan you choose for three months. Head to slash the Changelog to get started. And now, on to the show. Everybody, we're back. We got Darcy Clark here. Darcy hails from the good old city of Toronto in the province, Ontario. Now, Darcy, I happen to have lived in Toronto at one point. I didn't tell you that yet. So I, I used to be a Torontonian at one point. No way.
1: That's yeah, crazy. No. I, is, that, uh, is that what they're called? Torontonians? <laughs> uh, nope. If you're if yes. you're
0: from uh, that area and you call it Toronto, you're wrong. It's Toronto. Uh, but, yeah. Toronto. Toronto. Right. So very
2: distinctive uh, lack of a T there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I used to live in Markham. Uh, I had an apartment in Markham for a bit there and I worked in uh, Mississauga. Wow.
2: Yeah. I actually lived
0: in Markham too. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's back in the day though. (laughs) So as you can see everybody, we got myself here, Jared's here, Darcy's here, and we're going to talk about uh, a couple projects Darcy's got going on, but uh, Darcy, before we kick off, let's, let's introduce yourself, man. So who are you?
2: Uh, so I'm Darcy Clark a front-end developer um, based in Toronto and I've been doing development design uh, some UX and consulting and speaking a whole bunch of things for for a number of years now and uh, yeah I, I love open source projects and contributing to the community um, and sort of giving back in that way and so yeah I've just uh, essentially been doing this for a long time and uh, I am now here talking to you guys about uh some projects. So yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: Yeah, so we we caught up with Darcy because on our fabulous radar and actually in weekly we're going to ship weekly to tomorrow, but this is recorded in the future and you'll you'll hear it in the past, so <laughs> it's kind of weird to tell you when it'll come out. But long story short, we found um on the HTML5 boilerplates organization there on GitHub a repo called front-end developer interview questions. So we thought that was super awesome. It's a list of helpful questions for front-end people that are interviewing potential candidates and maybe even testing yourself or, you know, if you're a front-ender out there and you're thinking like, well, I can probably answer some of these questions or I can't, at least gives you some waypoints of what you do and may not know. So we thought this would be a great time to either have this conversation ourselves, me and Jared, or invite you on if you can come on and, and luck be the draw. We've got you on the show because
1: here you are. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's got a quick turnaround. That's for sure.
1: Looks like we're not the only ones that think this is a pretty cool repo. Uh, Fourteen, <laughs> this is highly popular. Fourteen thousand stars, twenty one hundred forks, hundred nineteen contributors. This yeah. is pretty popular. Pretty popular project. How'd you get involved in it?
2: Um, so I actually kicked it off back in early two thousand twelve. I think I was being asked by a lot of my friends to help uh, prep them for interviews. Uh, specifically, my friend West Boss was going to interview at Google. And he was looking, you know, for some help as far as, you know, um, resources that would give him some, some insight into what they might be looking for. And I had gone through, i had been around for a long time, even at that point. Um, and I've been through my own, my share of, uh, of interviews and technical interviews. So um, I was helping him and in a, I think two or three other friends. Uh, sort of prep for interviews. And so I got a list of questions that I I, I sort of was giving to each one of them. Um, And at the same time, my friend Paul Irish actually started um, another conversation with some community folks like Alex Sexton, um, Adam Sontag, Mike Taylor, um, and they put together a document that wasn't made public. Um, It was sort of just sort of like a scratch pad of interview questions that they also thought uh, could be helpful. Um, and I think they were using it uh, sort of in the private. So I initially sort of reached out, saw that, uh, cleaned it up a bit. And actually, three years, uh, as of Monday, three years ago, I posted a blog post uh, with that document. And that's sort of how everything got kicked off. So
0: Wow. Three years. That's, that's crazy. So when you first started <laughs> it, I, I went back in time and saw your commit was the very first. So obviously, you're the starter of it. But what was it like back when you first started the the repo itself? Like, what kind of questions were there? There's several now, but what uh, what were you skimming across the, at that time?
2: Uh, so there was uh, a whole bunch of um, it was kind of like a conglomerate. Like everybody just had put together their thoughts on on what they kind of thought would be interesting. And you can actually see the original version um, if you go to my my blog, uh, DarcyClark.me. Um, and you search around, you can actually find the original blog post. And that actually has the, the original form of that question. I called it a questionnaire at that point. Um, and a lot of people took it literally like they were going to have to answer every single one of these questions in, a, in an interview, um, which was not the case. I, this was supposed to be just a resource. But yeah, there was a number of different things in there. Um, originally, we even had some answers. There were a lot more jokes It was kind of more funny. Some of the contributions from some of the other guys had put in some, some extra things. Like I I think people were saying like bonus points for things. Um, So it was a little bit more lighthearted. Um, But at the same time, it was uh, also a lot more rough around the edges, um, which wasn't necessarily a good thing. So
0: you said Wes boss, uh, this sort of keyed around the time whenever he posted a blog post about what he learned interviewing with Google. And this is sort of, was it was it something you were working with him on or paint that picture for us
2: um he had just uh, like reached out to me uh, we're really good friends um and so he had just reached out to me uh and asked me to sort of give him some resources or some tips, and and sort of try to um, do like almost like a fake interview with him. So he was just trying to prepare himself for that that Google interview, which he later uh, wrote a blog post about his experience going through that. And there was a, a few other people that had asked me to try to give them, you know, advice or or give them, uh, you know, prep questions that I would ask, uh, and then I had actually asked other uh, interviewees that I had had come across uh in my in my time as a as more of like a manager um at digital agencies that I had been at so uh, that was sort of like where my my head was at and there really wasn't anything like this uh any resource that sort of you know basically combined uh everything that you kind of should know or, or you should be prepared for going into sort of a job interview um, for a front end developer position so yeah that's that's sort of where where it was at
0: and that was kind of my take on it too. Was like, it, it's not so much only for the interviewee; it's also for the, uh, or, sorry, the interviewer. Uh, it's also for the interviewee because it's sort of this, um, you know, this hit list of what you may or may not be asked for one, or preparatory to get to a point where you could be interviewed using something like this, and just sort of find out almost like waypoints, figuring out what you do and don't know well enough to go into a front end developer position or it it's at what degree you're ready for, you know, um a senior position, a junior position, you know, or a green position, for example.
2: Yeah, it's definitely it's sort of a catch-all. Like it, it definitely covers uh, the audience that it covers is is probably like threefold. Um, somebody in a more technical or senior level position that's actually interviewing somebody, and and again, like you say, um, somebody that's going to be interviewed, uh, who's trying to prep, or even somebody I've I know a lot of people that are going through uh, boot camps that are using this also to try to train themselves to get ready just to get into the the industry, try to see um, sort of get a pulse of of what's expected of them um, once they get get out there. Now. Not all of these questions are, as you say, they're sort of tiered, Um, although there isn't a tier system in in the actual document. You're definitely not expected to know everything um, that's in that list, uh, you know, if you're a junior developer. But I think it's really good, uh, a good resource for people to go and see what they maybe uh, should be researching or learning a little bit more. And I think it just asks the right questions, (laughs) essentially, to kind of make
1: a half pun. But, uh, yeah. I'm reading through some of these and a web developer myself, both front end and back end. And, you know, I've been around the block a few times and there's definitely ones in here where I'm like, man, I know what that is, but like how to articulate that in a way that would be impressive, you know, like that's not going to immediately come to me. So there's definitely some good questions in here. I kind of have a thought about front end developer in general, like the term, the role. Um, the changing landscape that yeah. we find ourselves in. Because when this project started, I think the idea of a front-end developer is probably maybe not dramatically different than where it's at today, but at least you know it slid <laughs> from one side to the other. Um, have the questions needed to change to keep up with the fluidity of, of the position?
2: Uh, yeah, 100%. We definitely made it a lot more... Objective, Like uh, we got rid of uh, any kind of answers that were in there. Um, There's definitely a focus more. We had, up until a few weeks ago, I think we still had questions that were specific to like jQuery. And uh, we didn't think sort of as uh, uh, an organization and and the people that are helping to maintain this project now, uh, we don't think it's a a good idea to essentially point out one library over another. Um, Essentially, we would get into a position where we'd be you know, fraught with just the abundance of different frameworks that we have to sort of support um, and uh-huh. say, "Oh, th- these are the questions for uh, Angular, and these are the questions for Ember, and all, all things like that." Um, so we try to get more library agnostic and framework agnostic. So uh, it's definitely matured. The documents definitely matured, and and the questions have matured. And you can definitely see that it's more focused to concepts more. Uh, or it's trying to be uh, more focused on concepts. And uh, I think the goal here is to try to always have a question be more open-ended so that um, it can be sort of left up to interpretation a little bit and that, you know, the interviewee or the person on the other end um, can sort of Get a chance to talk a little bit, and hopefully, it starts a discussion. If if that's what they're using this document for, which is to actually interview someone, hopefully, it starts a discussion between uh,
1: the two people in that room um, or on or on a phone call or wherever they are. Yeah, I think it's wise to remove you know implementation details as much as you can. Obviously, when you get to the JavaScript questions, like we're going to use JavaScript, um, whereas <laughs> probably back when you started with it. It was probably pretty safe to, like, assume, well, it's just going to be, like, jQuery-oriented questions because that was such a dominant tool at the time. Um, and the landscape is really diversified with the different frameworks and libraries that are available. But—
0: Yeah, that, that original blog post has
1: jQuery-specific questions in it, whereas, like, the current state now
0: has that removed, like you said, agnostic, towards a particular camp
2: yeah i i didn't think they were that useful anyways um they they really didn't add bunch value um again we're trying to i think hit on topics um that are sort of more objectively true or or that you can talk mm-hmm. about at a higher level so you know, for instance, you could talk about uh, Sizzle, which is jQuery's selector engine, and its specific implementation and how it returns a collection. Um, but that kind of concept of actually just selecting an element um, in JavaScript—it's a—it's you know—it's ubiquitous. It's—it's it's not specific to. Uh, you can talk about it in sort of the native implementations. That you can use, you know, let's say a native method like um, get element by ID or query selector or query selector mm-hmm. all. Um, so, so we tried to remove that, and I think that just shows a maturity and a growth over over the years um, uh, and of the project too. Um, especially as of recent, since the project actually moved a couple months ago, it moved from originally being. Still a personal repo of mine to being under the h m o five boilerplate organization um we made that change uh me and Paul did that two months ago, I think, and there's been a huge influx in contributions and and it's definitely matured even the last two months it's It's exploded so um
0: let's talk yeah. about that part there two months ago then so what was it like merging a personal project into an organization and then if you can recall, what were the, the I guess, the stats at that time, like forks and watches and stuff like that, the stars?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it hurts a little bit. It definitely takes you down <laughs> a peg. Um, <laughs> at the time, uh, over the last three years, I, I think we had got about 9,000, close to 10,000 stars Um, We had still had the 25, I think we're past 25 language translations, um, which is amazing. I I think that's probably the best, that's the best stat um, for this project is the community involvement that we got worldwide. Um, And people adding resources in in their own uh, dialects was was great. Um, So we had, I think, 25 language translations, about 10,000 stars over that three-year span of it being uh, repo-associated just with my name. Um, Although I've always tried to keep liner notes for the original uh, contributors for um, the other sort of documents that were running around um, three years ago. But yeah, essentially we went from that and 2 months ago we made the ownership or we changed ownership to the HML5 Boilerplate Organization and we saw a huge influx in traffic, lots more visibility. We've got I think another 4000 stars since then so we're now up to, you know, 14 or 15,000 uh, stars and 2000 forks or, uh, or something crazy like that. You know, tons uh, over 100 contra- uh, contributors which is another great stat. So it, it's seen a lot of uh, it's, I, I think it's the second most starred uh, repo uh, for the organization after obviously the h five polar plate um,
0: wow. projects. So that's huge, man. I mean, yeah, 14,048 stars, 2,126 forks, 119 contributors. That's definitely not a, a stat to shake a stick at. And, and to tee off, <laughs> what you had mentioned about localization for languages, a post recently from Michael Rogers, who was recently on the show for IOJS. He has a post out there called how IOJS built a 146 person, 27 language localization effort in one day. And one thing he talked about was how he traveled to uh, Korea and how there's a node community in Korea that, you know, was sort of hidden, I guess, to the rest of the world because they sort of operate in these sort of localization uh, silos that don't really go beyond their language and so having the localization that you've gotten already with multiple languages is is pretty huge
2: yeah it was uh, it was amazing to see that was uh, something i wasn't expecting the first the first ever commit uh, that somebody made I think it might have been a French translation. Um, I had no idea how I was even going to handle that, or how what that was going to look like. The fun thing about this project is it's essentially just a Markdown file, um, so I think yeah. it, it, it allows itself to you know it's really easy for people to get involved in, and I think that a lot of people feel. That they can actually uh, make a commit very easily or they can actually contribute to a project like this um, and not have to worry about you know adding tests or things like that so um, it was great to see that you know worldwide we we got some traffic and that people were um, you know I, I that wasn't even uh, a push from me I didn't ask the community to, to make translations they just did um, so that was really awesome to see and and over the over the years uh, we've uh, grown unfortunately uh, many of the the different translations are in uh different states uh they don't always stay up to date um but uh,
0: how you keep that in sync
2: yeah yeah that's that's one of the harder things uh we really rely on people who obviously speak and write in those different languages to 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 commit back to the project
0: so and now a word from our sponsor top is the best place to work as a freelance software developer if you're freelancing right now as a software developer and you're looking for a way to work with top clients on projects that are interesting, challenging and using the technologies you want to use, Toptal might just be the place for you. Working as a freelance software developer with Toptal, your days of searching for high-quality, long-term work and getting paid what you're worth will be over. Let's face it, you're an awesome developer and you deserve to be compensated like one. Joining Toptal means that you'll have the opportunity to travel the world as an elite freelancer. On top of that, TopTal can help provide the software, hardware, and support you need to work effectively no matter where you are. Head to toptal.com/developers, that's t o p t a l.com/developers to learn more and tell them the change log sent you. You mentioned that it's just a markdown file. Any yeah. plans to take that and turn that into an actual site that's, you know, got some design behind it and, you know, put some form to this function?
2: Sure. Um, we haven't really thought about that. I I never thought about that at all. We we posted a so there's a GitHub uh, page uh, website basically. It's just a rendered HTML CSS version of the markdown file so it's not not much more than that but yeah there there hasn't been any uh talk about that that's a good idea i might i might do that now that you suggest that
0: <laughs> well I, I you know the the readme is great it's accessible and you got the anchored headings and things like that and it's clearly you've got fourteen thousand plus stars on it so that's not holding you back i think that it becomes a destination once you put a url to it and some design to it and sort of takes on its own life though i don't think it's required you've got sort of this sync issue with localizations but then it also provides a potential issue for the site whereas maybe your site can only support english but that's not going to scale well i mean you're going to want to support maybe a subdomain per language potentially or at least a uh a slug on the url or something like that
2: yeah for sure it's a, it's definitely something i'll i'll take into uh into consideration it's uh, probably a good idea to to do something like that uh, especially because we made this transition and, and it's now part of the h five boilerplate um it definitely feels like it's got a lot of energy behind it right now and and obviously we're talking about it today so um yeah i think that that'd probably be a good idea um it may me make it even that much more accessible to people so
1: yeah i like it seems like there's an interesting dynamic when you're you know we all struggle and try to manage open source projects, and there's a common conversation that we have with people is just managing community. You know the the demands it puts on you um, as a maintainer. You said slightly different when it's you know basically pros. Uh, you manage the English ones, and hope I guess you just hope those translations are stay accurate or maybe you have a, a, a checksum system or something that you can do uh, with a second set of eyes on the translations. But any interesting struggles that you would have, uh, semantic arguments perhaps, managing a, do- a text document in an open source community as opposed to a software project?
2: Uh, definitely. Uh, it's We try to be objective, and I, I've definitely been... Sort of the overseer or the you know the guardian of of the document and the questions uh since since its inception, so uh, it comes into question a lot of times you know whether or not uh, I have to question myself whether I, you know what my what are my intentions um, if I agree or disagree with somebody so i always always have to be it's a, it's essentially uh the worst kind of open source project you can ever create um, there's <laughs> a ton of politics around essentially language it's like essentially this this document is like a high school English assignment with over 100 group <laughs> members and they all have differing opinions and there's a ton of different subjects that you need to talk about And it's 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 definitely the worst kind of open source project for that for that but uh but yeah I try to stay objective there's been a few times where Um, You know, you obviously have to tippy toe and and try to work with the community. And and maybe uh, the the best thing that I've been able to do is garner support around my opinion on what should or shouldn't be added or or why, um, you know, I think that phrasing should change. Um it's really funny, you know, like I never did that well in English in high school, but now um I'm essentially talking to people about their grammar and the phrasing and the tone of of questions and and sentences and um it's 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 really funny you know the the kind of problems that we have in a project like this so yeah the, the we've faced some interesting interesting uh problems with with this compared to a typical open source project.
1: What about just crazy off the wall questions? Do you ever get somebody submit something that you think, "What are they talking about?" Or is it all pretty tame? <laughs> um, I,
2: I think the worst stuff is maybe uh, topics or discussions we've already had in the past, or um, mm. times when I've had to, you know, guide people in the right direction, or, or just let them know our stance on things. Uh, I don't say that we, we don't get too much stuff in left field. And I would never want to, like, point anybody out. Um, but, yeah, over the years, we've had some sure. interesting people. Um, when it first released, the document actually got a lot of traffic on uh, Reddit, and there was a lot of people that were saying that they – uh, we were better off with without something like this, and they were, you know, sort of bashing the project or bashing this, you know, even this idea of having a, a list of interview questions. And so that's why I actually initially put this into a, a, a GitHub repo because I was hoping that somebody like that would actually just make a pull request that deleted the entire document, um, and if we <laughs> got if we got enough traffic or if enough people like gave it thumbs up then i i would have just you know scrapped everything and we wouldn't be where we are today but uh but those people obviously didn't come and contribute so um yeah i haven't yeah I haven't faced anything uh, super odd quite yet but uh anytime somebody tries to an- add an answer i know that it's all uh, well meaning but that's probably the hardest time for me is to to tell somebody that you know this project isn't about giving everybody all the answers, and uh, it's more about making people think and, you know, asking themselves whether or not they they know how they would a- answer a question like, you know, the one
0: that's there in front of them. So you can't turn over the sheet and see the answers.
2: <laughs> no, I've had uh, I've had a number of uh, HR people, recruiters email me. They uh, were the for, answers. Yeah, yeah, they they asked me for the other document. Uh, they're like, "So where's the uh, other markdown file?" Um, yeah,
1: that's just the worst. That one's for sale. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. business model. Uh,
2: I could. Uh, the funniest thing about the
1: document is that I've actually
2: it's been around for three years, so I've obviously had uh, at least one. Are two interviews between when it came out and and as of today, and I've actually had people over the phone be looking at the document, asking me questions from it. Um, so wow, that's pretty. Funny. That's awesome.
0: is yeah. <laughs> <to see> that <laughs> the circle life come back to you then?
2: It, it's really funny to hear the realization on the other end of the phone. It's like, wait a second, you're the guy that. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're. This is your project.
0: So does that automatically get you hired then? Since you Essentially, helped write the document.
2: <laughs> no, I, I I struggle to uh, you know as anybody does you know I struggle to come up and communicate um, yeah. you know the, the my my answers you know so I think that the best thing that I hope these questions do is obviously start a discussion and and the smart people will will get the jobs uh, but yeah I, I don't automatically uh, get a buy or a pass so
1: what you need to say when when you get somebody asking... asking asking one of your own questions you have to just say no so you're asking it all wrong you're supposed to ask it like this <laughs> then you get the job
2: yeah yeah I, I, and a key key thing there is that they're not my questions too they're, they're, they're definitely um that was one of the big things too i talked to paul a couple times um and we had actually meant to make this uh, hmo5 boilerplate project uh, i think over a year ago um but they're there's there's a lot of contributions here, so um, definitely there's stuff in here I would have never even uh, thought thought to ask, but it's good to to have whatever that was that contribution was.
0: That's the beauty of open source is that um you know is that you you know three years ago you read a blog post sort of based on you and your your friendship with uh, his name's Wes right yeah Wes Boss yeah Wes, Wes Boss um so you know you're trying to prepare him for and. You know, just prepare in general, and you decided to share that. That's what I love about open source, and one of the things I think stirs up so much emotion between Jared and I and what we do here at The Change Law because, you know, this one little act here you did three years ago has probably paid it forward for so many developers. And it's probably even impossible for you to see the ramifications of, uh, you know, one act of open source uh, propel in such a way, 14 thousand stars later, you know, I can't recall how many forks because I moved away from that tab, but, <laughs> you know, so much. Let's let's talk about, I guess, the last three years then since it's, that's sort of what you said a, a bit ago and what I just said there. You've got, uh, when we go down a table of contents, you've got general questions, HTML questions, CSS questions, JavaScript questions, and networking, coding, and then some fun questions to to kind of round that off, but I know that uh, HTML itself hasn't changed, um, I, I guess I guess it kind of has changed dramatically. We've gone from, you know, XHTML to HTML5, and then we've got SAS, and we've got less, we've got, you know, various, we've got CoffeeScript, we've got different frameworks for JavaScript. How has maybe the document as well as the idea of a front-ender changed over this last three years for you and and I guess the community powering this project?
2: um i think uh, definitely the community uh, keyword i've probably said a couple times already is is matured um yeah the community definitely matured and the frameworks did and and they're all we're talking about sort of higher level programming paradigms or theories and how we can implement that in JavaScript. We're getting native support um, for a lot of things that uh, we think are helpful in other programming languages now, with like ES6 coming out. So I think that we've seen sort of definitely a lot of change. Preprocessors weren't even a thing in 2012 right so it's it's really funny to see where we came uh maybe less was around well less was around if you were using less you but were hey, like sass a-
0: was there too sass is like what? uh
1: seven years old no way don't, ma- don't yeah. mess with stack and the SAS way yeah sass SAS goes it. back oh, man, man. sass okay, well, was okay. invented
0: by Hampton right. catlin about seven years ago now probably seven and a half years ago
1: was not mainstream okay. <laughs> Right, I wasn't. Using coming it, up. So it, wasn't uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, no. It it became more in light. I would probably say, you know, two thousand nine is probably when it got more and more prolific. Um, but yeah, SAS has been around for. That's what people don't get either is that SAS and probably why the whole different topic, and which maybe is a different show. But let me put this out there while we're on this topic is that people don't realize that SAS has been around for so long, and that's why it's so trustworthy because the people that have been behind it have been. With CSS morphing and changing over these years and morphing and changing with everything the interface has been doing and have been making SAS evolve into SCSS and then now you got LibSAS and you got all these different things that have come come along with it. And no knock against less, but SAS has been there for a very, very long time, almost seven, more than seven years.
2: Yeah. So. It, now that you guys say that, I definitely remember when Hamel and SAS first came out. Um and it was yeah I, I do remember it was a long time ago and uh, I guess I my brain is uh, being fried by all the the framework uh, sort of where and all the new pre-processors yeah.
1: yeah I think I, I think I, it's safe to say that in 2012 unless my timing is totally off I think in 2012 we could say that you know front-enders were still debating whether or not preprocessors were a good yes. idea or not. Um, That's true. Whereas today, it's pretty much an established thing that it's, it's you're going to want. You, yeah, it's, it's more of a no-brainer. I'm sure you still have your fringe people who think it's stupid, but they're fringe.
2: Yeah, and I would say single-page applications weren't like as big. Um, we might have been using hash banks back then still, or you were writing your own framework to do routing and things like that. And now, obviously, we've got a, a ton, a huge uh, variety of of libraries and tools now. Um, but again, that, those kinds of things I, I try not to, and we try not to talk about in, in, this, in this project. We, we talk about the concepts they bring up, right? Like routing and the history API or something like that. Uh, we talk mm-hmm. about data binding and things like that that are more global and, and can be uh, applied across uh, any framework or, or any framework probably would need for building single page applications. But uh, yeah. that's definitely something that's changed um, in the last three years is uh, seeing that. And uh, we don't have a lot of questions about testing, which I would love to see more of. And I think that's definitely something that the community has embraced in the last three years is testing your code and writing you know, modular code. I think we could do a better job at, at, at uh, applying sort of TDD questions uh, in this document. Um, so that's maybe something that somebody can make a pull
1: request for. <laughs> Do you think it's safe to say that that the breadth of knowledge that's expected of front enders has increased over time? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, not <laughs> oh, too easy. Too easy a was, question. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> that's,
0: that's, <laughs> I had to struggle with that one because I knew his answer.
1: Because I mean, it's is
0: it I mean, ever going to contract?
1: Will it ever contract? Will it ever get uh, easier?
2: I think that there's definitely been specialization. I think there's a lot of people that might be doing back end JavaScript work now because Node and I.O are have got to a point where people trust them for production. Um, so I think that there's a lot of there might be people branching out and, and getting more specific in their roles um, in what we would have considered front end development realm or, or lives um and i think that you see designers uh, the term designer in our industry has sort of changed too so that designers are now expected to code so they might know html and css and they may be able to design right in the browser right build experiences around right the, the browser so um i don't know if if the 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 term front-end developer i don't know if they're we're ever going to be asked less of. I think there's always going to be more that we're expected yeah. to know, um, and it, it's very hard because you straddle the line of you want to make a performant website. So how you know you need to understand um, you know protocols. You need to understand the backend APIs you're hitting. Maybe you work with that backend developer to develop those APIs. You work with and, and things like that. So you you really have to understand the, the full gamut of what it is to build a website and how that website you know gets cached on people's uh, laptops and on their phones and how it gets distributed worldwide uh, on the internet. So it, it's very interesting, um, you know, what's expected of us. And I don't think that there's any less or will be asked any less uh, in the future. Like uh, it's just a growing growing batch of things
0: we should know. <laughs> that's definitely one area where I haven't paid a ton of attention as a front ender is the networking side of it, the performance side of it. And that's, that's where I think you begin to, to blur and cross the lines of, and not to put it any, and to use words or language like just as if it's not good enough. But you know, when you're just someone who writes HTML or CSS or SAS or Haml to crossing the lines to being more developer speak when you're talking network and talking protocols and you know multi domains and just performance stuff. But that's a different topic. So Jared and I wanted to close the, the the call to to turn a couple of questions on you. Would you mind if we pulled a couple of our favorites out and, and, and asked you a couple of questions? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're on the hot seat. You're on the Uh-oh. hot seat. You
1: can't say no. Uh-oh. Uh okay. Jared, take the first one. I got one too. Are you going to go first? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to start off easy. Uh, cause Adam's the mean one. So, (laughs) uh, I'm gonna start in the, you got categories. I'm gonna start in the fun questions. So here you go. Um, what's a cool project that you've recently worked on? Um,
2: so I recently worked together with a digital agency. Um, I can't, I don't know how much I can say about it, but we launched a project for the Grammys for, uh, a very well-known card company, and we were—we essentially did um, facial recognition using the CLM tracker. CLM, um, if you guys have heard of that, it helps you detect like someone's face in either through a webcam or video, or mm. even from like any sort of image data. And mm. from there, we actually generated a custom, unique song um, based on your face. So your face—you huh. basically. Take almost like a selfie, or you uh, can use your webcam, and it, it generates a unique song for you. Um, and that was probably a
1: probably pretty cool project that I I just finished up. Um, that does so. sound cool. Is the CLM tracker? Is that an API or a library? So CLM I think is a, is
2: an algorithm. It's a if it's you an look algorithm. it up okay. CLM. Yeah, you if you look it up, I think there's some MIT papers around it. And I forget the developer who worked on the JavaScript implementation, but um, it's been around for a little while. And uh, yeah, it's essentially like a JavaScript library that you can use and just apply it to, you know, any kind of like input that you would get from either, you know, um, like get user media, get like somebody's webcam and can find the data points uh, of a user's face. So you can find like their nose, their eyes, and it will like sort of track where where that is. So yeah, that was pretty cool. That was probably cool.
0: What was thing? that project we recently linked up in Weekly, Jared, that, that uh, did this? I think it was actually on the on the blog.
1: Yeah, that was a, a jQuery plugin that does face detection. So possibly using this technique, but specific for jQuery. That project was... caught my eye because he was using Anchorman as his... Uh, yes. Um, he's detecting the Anchorman faces. I was like, oh, I got to link that up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Adam, Adam found the JavaScript 1 CLM tracker. So we'll link that up in the show notes. Interesting. Sounds like a fun project. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a
2: lot of fun to work on. Uh, worked with a lot of really smart people that did a lot of the WebGL stuff, the animations, and, uh, and also worked with another uh, great company to get um, all the sounds done. We sort of did all the wiring uh, and the framework behind um, actually presenting all that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good project.
0: Cool. And now, a word from our sponsor. It is time to put the program books away. Put them away, put them down, and learn by doing with Code School. Code School offers a variety of courses to help you expand your skills and learn new technologies such as JavaScript, Ruby, iOS, Git, HTML, CSS, and many more. Code School knows that learning to code can be a daunting task. They combine experienced instructors with proven learning techniques to make learning to code educational as well as memorable, giving you the confidence you need to continue past the hurdles. They're always launching new courses on new technologies and offering deep dives on tried and true languages. So if you don't see them you need, suggest a course and they'll build it if there's enough demand. Code School also knows that languages are a moving target. They're always updating content to give you the latest and greatest learning resources. You can even try before you buy. Roughly one out of every five courses on Code School is free. This includes introductory classes for Git. Ruby, and jQuery, which allow free members to play full courses with coding challenges included. You can also pay as you go. One monthly fee gives you full access to every Code School course. And if you ever need a breather, take a break, you can suspend your account at any time. Don't worry, your account history, points, and badges will all be there when you're ready to pick things up again. Get started on sharpening your skills today at codeschool.com once again that's codeschool.com well this one here jared said i'm i'm mean i don't know if i'm being mean <laughs> here when I, ask this one. I think this is a good one um for anybody who like who who likes who officially likes css and if you put your hand up uh you're somewhat crazy and adventurous but you i know, met a guy once not everybody loves css so it, it sort of gets this bad rap but It's a labor of love when you write CSS, whether you're writing SAS, LESS, or whatever. Um, But just understanding the cascades, the question I want to ask is around the C in CSS and what it stands for, which is cascading. And the question is – officially, this is the question. The C in CSS stands for cascading. How is priority determined in assigning styles? And give a few examples if you want to. And then the follow-up question to that is how can you use this system to your advantage? So talk about the cascade.
2: Uh, okay, uh, let me try to find that question. Is it actually in this document? Are you
0: guys just pulling out of this document? <laughs> you guys are crazy. Um, I am not pulling your leg. It's in your doc. It's, we're going it's through your there.
1: we're going through your rejected pull requests, and we're asking. Yeah, stuff. it's near the bottom <laughs>
0: of the uh, readme, or near well, the bottom of the CSS and readme.
1: I told you it's so, mean, man. That's tough. Well,
0: well yeah, I like this I one because it shows off the, the cascade for CSS, which is cool. Well,
2: cascading essentially, yeah, child elements uh, inherit. Um, the styles of their parents so that's that's sort of the cascading uh styles there but um i the to be honest i try not to answer these questions uh not not to be on the hot seat (laughs) but because uh I, i was actually asked by another person recently to to do a talk and to basically go in there and, and answer a bunch of these questions. Um, I'm okay with the fun ones because they are, as they say, fun. But right. uh, my, my biggest concern is obviously somebody will take my answer as de facto the truth or they'll reuse that and if they don't, you know, they don't get a job for any reason because they used, you know, whatever we gave them. So I try not See, to, but I... I would answer that cascading uh, style's question with, you know, talk about uh, inheritance of children and their parents and the relationship there. And then also talk about, you can use this by creating, uh, you know, little modular uh, pieces of CSS that can be reused using classes. And, you know, you could do something, talk about, let's say, uh, font families that could be applied. Or, you know, if you had little buttons uh, that had, you know, a wrapper div. Um, that applies some style to to the button you can reuse that or you can set sort of a global class on the on the body that helps to show or hide let's say content on mobile or desktop and uh, that's i would go into probably examples of how i would implement our showcase uh cascading in uh in css but uh but yeah nice. I, I try not to answer these
0: <laughs> i try not well to. this is yeah i like uh what I was really asking, why I wanted to ask that question, was I was really hoping you'd say the word specificity, because okay. uh, two two co-hosts ago, uh, Wynne Evelyn started this this podcast with me, and it was funny because anytime we had a style sheet related topic on the show, <laughs> and when if you're listening to this or anybody knows when, <laughs> bring it up to him because uh, I loved it because he could never say specificity, and he would always say, Adam, can you say that for me? Or I forget. With how it kind of evolved, but uh, you can never say specificity. Uh,
2: I think I can. My English is okay. Uh, specificity, is
1: <laughs> almost perfect. Almost. Almost. Perfect. Specificity. Yeah, specificity. All right, let's yeah. hop. Let's yeah. hop back to the fun questions. There you go. You know, quick grill on. Save him, please. Quick grill on Adam. Uh, uh, we gotta turn some of these questions on on Adam here in a second. Uh, this one's great because it actually it's kind of hard, well, what's your favorite feature of Internet Explorer? Um,
2: my favorite feature that's still there would be the way that they rendered the box model, or the original way that they... Um, ah. I guess this 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 question's a little bit up for interpretation because it doesn't say a specific version of Internet Explorer. Um, right. I would say, actually, there's a couple... I have a bunch of features I really like. Uh, the developer tools have gotten a lot better, um, which was... Huge because the F12 developer tools for so long were lacking. Um, so, but I would say that they got the box model right. Um, Internet Explorer originally got the box model right, and you know, if you set a width of a yeah, if you set a width of something, you want it to be that width, <laughs> like right. Uh, you I remember having to play with margins and have all these uh, calculations in your
0: head. And wasn't there a double margin bug as part of uh, that though? The box model.
1: Yeah that that was there was, was like some, IE6. Yeah. Probably, I mean, and and now we have is a box sizing border box to get that functionality back. there's, yeah, there's sure. some. I think so. Box sizing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that no, that's a great one. The one I thought of, if you're going historically, I have no idea what my current favorite feature is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be XML HTTP request, right? So oh, they were, the, right. I believe that was the, they were the first right. ones Who that added would love that one. Yeah, I mean that oh. revolutionized the web. Ajax. So you got the second best answer. Just yeah kidding. <laughs> thanks just kidding, just kidding. uh and you said i was the mean one yeah you geez, are the mean one me hard. yeah well you know bad cop bad cop i guess uh <laughs> <laughs> what do you got we got time for adam one more we got uh three minutes uh you
0: can ask one more ask a fun one Ask you know, whatever you want you know care. what questions are really fun yeah.
1: you know what questions are really fun is our closing questions maybe we should just go into those uh, hang on let's let's pause there for
0: a second uh Darcy, which one is your favorite question in this whole document?
1: Oh, my
2: goodness. There's so many. I used to I used to have a couple favorites that we got rid of because they were just too ridiculous. Um, I actually really like the coding questions, like the coding examples. I think that any time that you can get a developer to actually either do some whiteboarding or, like, you know, talk through, you know, maybe the APIs that they know or how they would – Write a function. I think that's uh, a lot of fun. So I would say my one of my favorite questions is probably either the. hmm, I would say the split reverse join. So in the coding questions, there's like uh, I'm a lasagna hog, and uh, it was actually misspelled at one point, but um, they wanted to make it. I think somebody wanted to make it like race car, so it was like the same thing, forwards and backwards. But I really Mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm uh because i i would actually probably follow this up with like how would you reverse a string not actually show them how to do it but uh you know how would you reverse a uh, reverse a string and see if they would know that there's a method uh native method to reverse uh a string or see if they were concerned about you know the order in which the characters came in things like that i, I think are are
1: really Yeah, valuable. some
0: psyche some nature behind their thoughts. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Cool. Awesome. Well, now let's uh, close with a few questions that we like to ask. Um, the first one is, what's, who is your programming hero?
2: He's actually, well, he's kind of a good friend of mine. Uh, Paul Irish is definitely a guy that a lot of people look up to. Um, he's the only guy that I actually got excited to like talk to in person, I really got giddy. Um, and we had lunch at the Google offices years ago when we first met in person. And I, he was definitely a big inspiration for the work that I do in open source and, and how I feel about uh, contributing to the community. Um, he's a good role model, and I, I think he definitely works tirelessly, or at least he used to work tirelessly. I'm not sure if he's taken a little bit of a break, but he's he's always contributing to the open source community. And uh, I think, yeah, he's, he's definitely my development hero, I guess.
1: Yeah, good call. I saw Paul give a talk at... I think it was like jQueryCon back in probably 2012, 2011. Just a very entertaining and smart and speaker, kind of an inspiring guy. It G- makes you want to do cool stuff on the web for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. Paul
0: on this show actually back in the day too on episode 67. Nice. So, about, talking. obviously HTML5 boilerplate mm-hmm. modernizer and and a bit more.
1: Awesome. Next question. So. Um, A call to arms to the open source community, whether it has to do with front-end developer interview questions or another project you're doing. If you're speaking directly to the open source community, which you are, uh, what would you say to them? (laughs) I would
2: say inspire is the best thing I could say, like that one word. Um, It's sort of a motto that I've had for a number of years. Anytime I do a talk, I sometimes show less code than people expect me to. Because I'm trying to show off, you know, examples of work or or something really cool that's going to inspire somebody. Uh, and I think that's the best way to educate someone. Because uh, if you're giving a talk or you've been writing a blog post, you only have so much time, so much of that person's time uh, to try to teach them something or try to get them excited about a topic. Um, so if you can exp- like inspire them or... Um, get them excited in some way. They're going to go off and they're going to go do that research and, and learn more. Um, so if you can be sort of the spark, I think uh, for someone else, whether it's in you know in your community or even broader, um, if you can really show somebody something awesome or, or try to explain something in a way that is entertaining, like Paul does and and a lot of other people do. Um, I think you're doing a great uh, service to the to the community, and I think that that's something I try to do, and I hope that other people try to do is uh, inspire inspire our peers. So,
1: good answer, love that inspire. Um, yes. Next one. So, if you weren't doing what you're doing, um, which is you know being a front end developer and the way you make your living and what you're doing with your life, what would you be doing instead? I do you wanted a- to.
2: Hard question. I'd probably be, uh, I'm not sure if it's an easy way out. I'd probably be like a designer. Is that is that fair? Is that okay to say?
1: <laughs> uh, if that's what you want to be doing. Your, and, answer's your uh, answer is your answer.
2: Okay. Well, I'd be a designer or I'd be a marketer. Uh, I thought I might want to be an accountant or a math teacher at some point, but uh, there's no way I was going to look at ledgers all day. So yeah, I think I'd be probably be a designer. I actually went to performing arts high school and majored in graphic design so i i I really like design so um
1: yeah i
2: would probably be a designer
1: awesome all right last question i don't think we pulled this one out for a while okay um and that is what's something that's on your open source radar a project uh, that that has you excited or has inspired you that you could share with everybody that you're interested in it's
2: something that i've seen recently or something that yeah
1: something you've seen or that's on your radar maybe you've Maybe you use it and you like it, or maybe you can't wait for a chance to give it a try. Just anything.
0: Another way to answer that uh, that question, too, is if you had a free weekend where you didn't have to do anything work-related or whatever, <laughs> what would you hack on? I might also answer that.
2: Well, definitely I have, would you a, play few, with? I have a few free weekends. Um, I think that the stuff that the Flipboard guys uh, posted the other day with React Canvas, uh, I'd yeah. love to 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 dig in there and check that out. Yeah, a lot of that like React Native sounded really interesting. I'd love to see what they're what they're doing internally uh, in those projects and, and sort of dig into their code. I think they're they're pretty cool. So yeah, those are two that are on my radar. Uh, doing more React is definitely in my future uh, for sure. I I love the idea of the virtual DOM. So I think that's it's a sexy sexy thing and a sexy topic right now. So.
0: We uh, we don't have them lined up yet, but that's definitely on our hit list of shows to have in the near future. So we're gonna reach back out to our Facebook contacts and get some people from the React team on on the show to talk about React. So
2: yeah, it's it's a great project. So
0: and only because there's React, do I somehow <laughs> subliminally think it's React, but it's yeah. not. It's React with the T yeah. at the end. So yeah. my enunciation on the the final T there is is important when. Um, mentioned that project so yeah Yeah. that's exciting too we've we we almost can't help but link it up in our weekly email which is called change law weekly because there's so much it's got so much buzz around it you know right now which is exciting so Uh, i'm gonna do something a little different this time around for the close of the show we've uh so if you've listened to the most recent show or one of the more most recent shows which was 141 we talked about how I've come on to be the first full-time employee of this year company called The Changelog and how that matters to the community, what that means for this show, what that means for The Changelog going forward. And I thought I'd uh, mention a few members because we have a membership. It's 20 bucks a year. Um, it's the easiest way you can support us directly. It's it's like our Patreon or like our Up, which isn't around anymore. I think it's now – I forget what it's called now, the, the new name. Gratapay. Gratapay. Eh, pay. Uh, it's like our version of that. So if you want to directly support the changelog being around, being here, this is the way you can do it. Go to the slash membership. Uh, I'm going to rattle off uh, probably I think around 20 names I think. Um, but every show we're going to start closing with the most recent, this week's new members. So uh, hopefully this doesn't get boring. <laughs> uh, in this case, it's a lot because I think we just have an influx. But you got Douglas Gray, Sean Dunn, Pablo Navarrez, Bill Israel, Garrett Diamond. Dave David, I can't say your last name, which is uh Wisconsin. I'm gonna try and say that. I have a, a bad last name too, so don't don't hate me. Matthew uh Brixton, Jonathan Banta, Austin Ginder, or Jinder, not sure which one that might be. Ben Gillen, good friend of mine actually here locally, actually a, a good good buddy of mine here close close by. You got uh Matthew McCormick, uh somebody who just put one name in, which is Ebersbach. Uh, Mike Parham, a uh, friend and past guest on the show, so Mike, thanks for your support. Kyle Mahan, Camilo Payan, and Mr. P. Gomez. So thank you all for directly supporting this show, supporting the changelog. Your support means the world to me and Jared and everybody else who's a part of this. And I'm sure Darcy too, right, Darcy?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> of course, uh, I'm, right? I'm going go to go <laughs> donate right now uh,
0: <laughs> since um, I have an order. Yeah, it's it's uh we got some awesome benefits for our members. We have a members only Slack room, so if you use Slack, which you probably do, uh, we yeah. have an open Slack room where we're pretty much sharing all of behind the scenes of the change law, what we're doing, what's on our radar, you know, it's it's sort of like as we do what we do, it unfolds and you kinda play a part of it as, you, as you'd as you like to or you can just hang out and be idle and just sort of lurk if you'd like to. We don't we don't care. Whatever you want to do. But we've got some awesome sponsors for the show too. CodeChip, TopTal, and CodeSchool are our sponsors of this show, so big shout-out to them. And uh, Darcy, it was, was awesome having on the show, man. Thank you so much for, you know, last-minute coming on the show, talking through these questions, and then not minding the good cop, bad cop Jared and I play with uh, asking some questions, man. Pretty cool. Yeah,
2: no problem. Thanks so, um, for having me, guys.
0: Um, so for the listeners out there, if they wanted to follow you or follow you on GitHub, how can they follow you?
2: Easiest way to get a hold of me or to uh, check what i'm doing or check out what i'm doing is uh probably hit up my github page uh github.com slash darcy clark or follow me on twitter uh twitter.com slash darcy my just my first name so, Oh, darcy nice uh, yeah. that's pretty legit
0: nobody else had that that's so cool uh
2: or did no, you have, have to, to go pull, beat somebody up for it yeah to pull some strings
0: <laughs> ah some strings nice nice <laughs> Well, Darcy it was definitely it was definitely fun having you on the show. We'd love to have you back anytime you're uh, coming back. We didn't get to mention your DSS project, so maybe we can feature that in this week's weekly, and then have you back on a near near show in the future to talk about that. But uh, sorry to for that telling there. But oh, let's well. say goodbye, everybody.
1: Cheers. Yep. Yeah.